Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. God, we desire this morning to be conformed into your image. And so, Lord, as we get into your word, I pray that it wouldn't just be words on the page. It wouldn't just be words coming out of my mouth. But, Lord, we're looking this morning for the living word. We're looking for your life-breathed word of the Spirit this morning. And as that Spirit word is spoken, God, I pray that it would sink deep into our hearts, that seeds would be planted of eternal life that would come out, flow out of our lives in powerful ways, God. Thank you for conforming us as a church more and more into to what you want us to be, to how you want us to be, God. We want to be a beautiful bride that's ready for your coming. So I thank you for doing that work in us as we behold you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, uh, I don't know how many of you might have seen this on Facebook, but uh, I said last night that I'm talking about grief. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there, okay, because I know that's not the funnest thing for everybody to talk about, talking about grief. So if anyone saw that on Facebook and still came this morning, I just want to give you props and thank you for being here uh, because it's it's not an easy thing. It's not a fun thing to talk about. It's something that uh, is easier to not. It's easier to skirt by the person that you know just lost a loved one, or it's easier to avert a conversation whenever you know someone's going through a significant health issue that we just don't have an answer for right now. Uh, grief can be difficult. It's hard to face. It's hard to talk about. And so, uh, but like many things, there's, there's not anything on this earth that isn't worth talking about in the light of Scripture, in the light of Jesus Christ who he is, his love. You know, those things that are difficult to talk about, uh, we find it difficult to talk about sex. We find it difficult to talk about politics. There's a lot of different things. We find it difficult to talk about race. We kind of got into that on Wednesday, and we're going to talk a little bit more today. These things are difficult to talk about. It's hard to have these kinds of conversations. But if we as a church take those conversations that are difficult and just sweep them under the rug and we only talk about the sweet by and by and we only talk about these things that are easy and palatable to, to swallow, then they're going to get talked about. But it's only going to be the lies of the enemy that you hear talking about it. It's only going to be another perspective that you hear. It's worth going to the Word. It's worth leaning into these difficult conversations and see what God has to say about them. All right, so can we buckle up? Can we get into it this morning? Are y'all ready for me to be a little bit real? Okay, good. Jamie's ready for it, so I'm going to preach right here the whole time. Now, uh, so, so we're ready to get into it. We're going to talk about grief, and here's where I want us to start, because everything revolves around Jesus. Again, as we're getting into the Word, Jesus is the Word become flesh, and so this all comes down to Jesus Christ, who He is. He, in the Sermon on the Mount, you can find in Matthew chapter 5, when He was first opening up, talking about His kingdom, He said something that was really powerful. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I wanted to start with that thought. I wanted to start with that statement and, and see just how true that is and how much we're living that. Because if that's what Jesus says his kingdom is like, he's called you and I, people that are a part of his body, to live out his kingdom world in this earth. He says 
that we should pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, and we would be vessels of that. So we are to be living out the kingdom. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Is that true in our church culture? Sometimes it is, I think, but sometimes I would say maybe unfortunate are those who mourn because they are avoided at all costs. Unfortunate are those who mourn and grieve because that's tough to talk about. And you're kind of harshing my vibe right now. I don't know if that's a thing to say. That <laughs> Forgive me, I don't know the cool lingo of the kids these days. Thank you. But a lot of times this, this truth that Jesus lays out of blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, when, it, when we find the boots on the ground reality here in our churches, it's not always necessarily exactly that way. And we need to be praying. We need to be believing that God's kingdom will come on this earth as it is in heaven so that this could be true. What Jesus says, not just in heaven, but here on earth right now, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted and they will receive comfort. I believe that you and I, as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, you and I, we have a calling to expand our capacity to grieve. We got to expand our capacity to grieve. And that doesn't sound fun, I know. Uh, but as we're talking about emotions, again, we're we're here in this series on soul maps. If you if you haven't been here, you don't know exactly what we're talking about. What we're doing is we're going through the book of Psalms and we're seeing how all of the emotions of human experience are recognized for what they are, acknowledged and submitted to the Lord. We don't want to be a church that runs away from emotions, that pretends like they don't exist. We don't want to be a church that just submits completely to our emotions and is tossed to and fro just by every whim of how we're feeling. We've got to find this middle way that is the way of Christ of being able to feel, experience our emotions and submit those to the Lord. And you know what? Emotions aren't always the fun. We talked about joy a couple weeks ago. Pastor Lee talked more about joy last week. It's not always the joy stuff that we're working with. That's not always the thing that we're feeling. And so we need to talk about grief here. And like I've said, I believe that we as a church, we need to expand our capacity to be able to grieve and to grieve well. Need to expand our capacity to be able to do that. Well, Pastor Micah, that doesn't sound fun. Grieving is not fun. It's not an easy thing. It's, it's difficult. It's painful. Why would we want to expand that? Why would we want to grow that? Isn't life about minimizing those things and maximizing the fun, good stuff, right? Now, well, I'm not, I'm not telling us that we all need to walk around being depressed all the time, but we have to expand our ability to grieve and submit that grief to the Lord in a healthy way so that he can use it for his kingdom. Because I'm telling you, even grief, God can use to bring glory for him. And we're going to be talking about that this week and even next week. I think there's a lot to say here. There's a lot to cover. And so I'm imagining that we're going to take a couple weeks to talk about grief and, and what it looks like in God's kingdom. So before I move into to how we grieve and how we should grieve and get into the Psalms, if you, you're interested, by the way, we're going to be in Psalm 42. And uh, just as a bonus, you can read Psalm 43 if you'd like, because they go really well together. But we're going to read through Psalm 42 this morning, uh, so you can go there if you'd like. But before we get into all of these, the specific psalm here, I, I want us to kind of be on the same page of what I'm talking about whenever I say grief, whenever I use words like mourning 
And really, as I was thinking about this and praying about it for myself, I think that grief really is that feeling. It's that thing that comes up whenever you're faced with the harsh reality that things just are not right in this world, that things aren't right. And that can happen in so many different ways. I was thinking about my life, and I know that people have very, there's all kinds of grief that could even be recognized in the room right now. And I want us to think through our lives and think of a time that we've really been in grief, that we've really mourned, we've really been down, we've really been faced with this harsh reality that things are not right in this world. And maybe you're right in the middle of that this morning. I know we've got some people here right now that are grieving. Uh, And maybe even if you're not feeling it as much right now, you've been through a time that you really were grieving and mourning. And I thought about a time in my life when... You know, it was right about Christmas time, and things mostly are really happy and, uh, you know, joyful. Joy's talked about a lot around Christmas, and, and it was around that time that I lost a family member to suicide. And, and I know that's a really, really big topic. I know it's, you know, a lot, and it's heavy, and different people have experiences with that in this room. And I remember just how how much all I could think is just this is not right. This family member had battled with depression for years and years and years and struggled, and, and that was, was how it ended for her in this earth. And all, all I was left with was this is just not right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This is not how things are supposed to be. And just a, even just a few weeks ago, I, you know, I, I received a phone call of someone who is so close, such a dear, dear friend of mine whose marriage is falling apart. And there doesn't seem like a way forward. There doesn't seem like a way that it's going to work out. And kids are involved. And it just isn't right. And I, in that phone call, was just I dropped to the floor. I could do nothing but cry. I could do nothing but just bawl and weep over it because of, how close this person is to me, how much I care for this person, and how just not right it is. And you experience that at a funeral. We've experienced things in this community. People who have died too early. People who we've lost too early, and it's not right. Even someone who's lived a long, full life, and to, to even have to experience that taste of death at the end. You know, human beings, we weren't created to die. That's a part of sin. That's a part of a fallen world. We were created to live. We were created for eternity with the Lord. And so to experience death in any way at the, the, at the end of a long, long life or at a, the very beginning in a miscarriage, it, it, either way, it, we're not created to experience that. And so it's a reminder that things are not right. And I could go on and on and on, all different specifics, high, low. You know, it doesn't have to be some really, really big thing for you to still be faced with that reality that things aren't right, that things just aren't what they should be, aren't what they're supposed to be. And in that moment, that feeling of grief, something that I want to talk about even more next week is that even in that lowest of low, that moment where you realize things are not right, this is not how it should be, this is unfair This is unjust. This is not right. Even in that moment, there's embedded in that feeling a hope. A hope in an eternal God who makes all things right. 
We'll talk about that more next week. But what I want to talk about this morning is what we do with that feeling. What we do in that moment of things are not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not what I was created for. This is not right. What do we do? How do we grieve? And I'm telling you, I want to expand our capacity to grieve. Expand our capacity to grieve. And what I mean by that is kind of twofold. We need to be able to grieve better as a community, and we need to be able to grieve better as individuals. I want to I go through those two lenses. As a community, how we grieve, and as an individual, how we grieve, how we deal with that feeling of things are not right. This is not right. And I'm going to talk about how we do that as a community first, because I truly believe that as a community, if we can get this right as a church, how we help one another in grief, how we grieve together, I think if we can get that right, then we're going to be able to do it as an individual much, much better. So let's talk about the community first. What, what I believe is a good way forward for us and how we help one another to grieve. You know, because in, in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says that we're to weep with those who weep. We're to grieve with those who grieve, mourn with those who mourn. In Galatians, he says that we're to bear one another's burdens. The burden of grief is not for a single person to carry. There's no single person that can carry that, that can pull that weight alone. We need one another. We must have each other. We're called by God. It's a commission to weep with those who weep. We're called by God. It's a commission to bear one another's burdens with each other. We can't be alone in this. So first, let's talk about how we expand our capacity to grieve as a community. I've got just four things that I want to encourage you in. If, if you're taking notes or if you want notes, I've put these notes up on the Victory Life Church app. If you have that, use it. It's great. If not, that's fine. You can just take these notes down, okay? So, so four things that I think would be important for us as a community, as his body of believers, to expand our capacity to grieve well with those who are grieving. The first thing I want to encourage us in is to ask. Ask, 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 ask about it. Talk about it. Be willing to have that conversation because here's the deal. Whenever we are in grief, whenever we are in mourning, whenever we're feeling so close to home, so close to our heart that things are not right, that something bad is going on and this is not how it should be, our tendency as human beings is to self-isolate. Nobody else gets this. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I, I can't sing that well, but I can say the words at least. Our tendency is to self-isolate to become a loner, to become alone, because we feel alone in that feeling. And so we should not leave the burden of starting that conversation with the person who's grieving. The person who's grieving shouldn't be the one that has to initiate a conversation about what they're feeling. If they, if maybe, have you ever gone through this? Have you ever lost someone? Maybe it's the anniversary of a close one to you dying, and you go throughout your whole day just wishing that someone would ask you, have you ever felt that? Have you ever come to church really dealing with something, really going through something, and you just wish that someone would ask you how you're doing more than the, hey, brother, how's it going? Okay, on to the next. What, did you, have you ever just wished, like, please, please, can we just sit down and you really ask me, like, what's going on with you? Because I need to talk about this. Well, that person isn't necessarily... I mean, some people, sometimes people work up the bravery to just initiate that conversation for themselves because they know they need it, and that's great. But we as a church, if we're going to help one another to grieve well, we have to be willing to ask that question for them. We have to be willing to make the time 
for them to be able to share what's going on so that they don't have to start that conversation. Okay, so let's you and I get better at asking. And I know that that's difficult sometimes because sometimes we don't want to hear what the answer is going to be. Right? You know this is going to take some time here. This is, it's going to be a minute if we're actually going to dig into this. But I'm telling you, we have to expand our capacity. Expand our capacity to have that kind of conversation because I don't want anybody to be in this church. I don't want anybody in Victory Life Church Boswell to feel like they have to carry a burden all by themselves. I don't want anybody to feel like they have to carry the weight of grief, to carry the weight of mourning, to carry the weight of things just not being right all by themselves without somebody reaching into that situation and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with that person. I don't want that to happen. And so we've got to be better about asking. Got to be better about asking. And like I said, the reason why we don't ask a lot of times is because we don't really want to hear what's coming. And so the second point that I want to make is we got to be ready to listen. Okay, so if you're going to ask somebody, how are you doing? What's going on with you? I know that you just lost a loved one. I know that you've been dealing with this health issue. What's going on? How are you feeling? We've got to be ready to sit and listen to that person. And don't feel the need in the moment to have to have the answer. That's honestly a lot of the reason why we don't ask sometimes is because we know this person's got something going on that I don't have the answer to. I can't fix this. We got any fixers in the house? I'm a fixer sometimes. But if I can't fix it, I don't want to have this conversation because we could end the conversation and both go our separate ways and I have no idea what you're supposed to do or what I'm supposed to do. That's real. And that's why we don't ask sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes there, there is no fix other than just listening to someone. Because you know what? You don't have to have the answer. And most of the time, especially deep, hurtful grief, you can't have the answer. You won't have the answer. But you know who the answer is. All right? So you don't have to have the burden of the right words to say. Because a lot of the times, whenever we're just thinking of a good thing to say, we end up really hurting people. Like, oh, well, God just needed another angel in heaven. And then you think later, like, I didn't mean that. I don't even know where that came from. But you just wanted to try to fix something in the moment. We don't have to fix something in the moment. We can't fix something in the moment. We can point people to Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate fix, the ultimate salvation, even if it doesn't fit nicely into a cliche that would just patch things up for someone in the moment. A lot of times, people just need to be listened to. They just need to be heard. The, the next one, and really this should be, this is the whole list, okay? Number, number three is to pray, all right? The Apostle Paul tells us that we're to pray continuously, okay? Pray without ceasing. So this is not to say that you don't pray during step one and two, okay? Sometimes you've got to pray to work up the courage to ask somebody about stuff. But... In the process of asking, in the process of listening and, and being there for people, being there with people in their grief, the best thing that we can do, like I said, we can't have the answer, but we can point one another to the answer that is Jesus Christ. And we do that in prayer. In prayer, you know, and even if you're like, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to pray, 
go to the Psalms. There are all kind of Psalms that, that are specifically addressing lament, specifically addressing grief, and how to express that to the Lord. And uh, honestly, it's, it's not always nice and neat. It's not always pretty, okay? Jesus prayed a prayer from the cross that started with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If somebody came in the building this morning and said, God has forsaken me, why? Who's got an answer for that? Uh, what, what do we do with that? Like, those are the kind of people who are like, uh, you need to leave. You're making the church kind of sad. Okay, we're supposed to be happy here, right? Well, no, people go through that. People deal with that. And through the Psalms, we're able to express that kind of emotion, express that feeling, be in that grief, but still submit it to the Lord. We're going to see that in the Psalm that we're about to read. By the way, that was Psalm 22. If you want to read Jesus' prayer from the cross, uh, there's a lot really packed into that, and it's really cool. But we're going to get into Psalm 42 here. So praying, even if you don't know how to pray, pointing people to Jesus Christ through things like the Psalms, through Scripture, praying, God, I... You know, you could pray a prayer like this. God, I have no idea how this is going to work out. We have no idea what's going on here. We don't know why this is happening. But Lord Jesus, please bring your comfort right now. Lord Jesus, please help us to see you in this, even whenever our eyes can't see it. That's a legit prayer that we can point to Jesus, that we can point ourselves towards him, even without an answer, but knowing that he is the answer that's the kind of prayer we can pray. Be willing and ready to pray with people who are grieving. And the fourth step here is repeat, okay? If you've ever uh, listened to a bottle of shampoo, then you know that you can lather, rinse, and repeat, all right? The process keeps going a little bit. I believe that this is something that we don't just need to say, okay, I asked, I listened, I prayed, done, check, we're good. Grief doesn't work that way. Grief isn't a, okay, the funeral's over now, Time to move on. Our society wants it to be like that. We want people to be okay and to move on and be all right. But grief doesn't work that way. Grief has moments and times that, that fluctuate and they come in and out and it feels really, really difficult one day and we don't exactly know why. We don't know what triggered it. We don't know why we're remembering this person. We don't know why we're super sad about the loss of this marriage at this time, but, but that's what we're feeling right now. Even if we've gotten over it in the past, it feels like grief, grief doesn't work like a ask, listen, pray, done. It's a ask, listen, pray, repeat. Come back to it again next week. Come back to it again later. And not, I'm not telling you to be, always be the person. There are some people who are just always trying to ask about the bad thing. You know, like you just feel like you're just trying to bring me down all the time, right? Like, stop asking. I'm really okay, I promise. But there, there's a difference between always focusing on the bad and making room for someone to express a bad feeling and a bad emotion, something difficult. So we, we got to be ready to repeat. As I was talking about mourning with those who mourn recently with uh, Jamie Raines, I don't see her here right now, but she shared with me a, a pretty cool article that talked about the Jewish, so in traditional Jewish culture, there's like a whole process for mourning the loss of a loved one. And it it doesn't just have a funeral. There's like this moment leading up to the funeral. And then there's the a special celebration or, or a remembrance time at, at, at a weekend. And then at a month, you, you have another specific thing that you do where you mourn as a community. And then even a year later, there's something to commemorate this anniversary of this uh, 
this death of passing of a loved one. And it's something that's continual. It keeps, you keep coming back to. It's not just done with one event. And I think that's really important for us to think about and consider as a church. You know, something that, that really challenged me in, you know, because we've had funerals here and we've, uh, you know, commemorated the loss of a loved one a lot. But I, I personally, as a pastor, haven't done a whole lot of follow-up after those moments to see how someone's doing a year later, two years later, whatever. And so that's something that I'm really challenged that I want to grow in. But as I'm challenging myself in this, I want all of us to be able to grow in this. This is something we as a church were called to bear one another's burdens. So let's repeat, okay? Don't just go through the list and we're done. But let's continually ask, listen, pray, be there with people in their grief. And so it's upon that, like I said, I think if we can get the communal side of expanding our capacity to grieve, if we can get that down a little bit better, it's going to free people up to be able to deal with these on an individual basis, to be able to deal with grief individually. And so as we start to talk about individual grief, how we process this, how we submit that emotion to the Lord, I want us to go now to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start by reading through this psalm. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to go back and talk about some of the things that we can kind of glean and and capture from this. But this is what Psalm 42 says. This is, uh, it's addressed to the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah. Okay, so that's what it says about authorship. And even there's not a whole lot about the date of when this happened, uh, what it was in response to, but what we can see that it is a soul that is deeply troubled by difficulties, by things being wrong in the world and being wrong in their life. So that's where we pick up. Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go up with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. In Psalm 42. So a few things that that I want to highlight and talk about as we expand our capacity to grieve, even as individuals, from this psalm. 
how this emotion is submitted to the Lord. We just read 11 verses, 11 verses of Scripture. And in those 11 verses, there were nine different questions that I counted. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I did the English version, okay? But I counted nine different times that a question was asked. And there weren't necessarily answers given to these questions. But in 11 verses, nine questions. And whether it's an adversary asking, where is your God? Where's God right now in this? Where's your faith in this? You, you were just saying last week that you trusted God so much and he was your joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Where's that? Where's your faith right now? Where's God in all this? Maybe somebody actually asked you that. Maybe you just feel that. There were questions like, why, why are you cast down on oh, my soul? Why do I keep getting so sad about this? Why can't I just get over this? Why? Why? When will I get to go before the presence of the Lord? When can I get over this? My God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? God, why are you letting me go through this right now? All kinds of questions here. And so one thing that I think we need to know about grief and in grief as we're going through it as individuals, it is okay to ask questions. It's okay to put your questions before the Lord. He wants you to put the questions before him because God can handle them. You know, I think more people lose faith in God, not because of the difficulties of life and because of grief, but because they were in places where they didn't feel like it was safe to be able to ask questions about it. In this church, it needs to be able to be safe for somebody to say, why has God forgotten me? Why am I overlooked? Why, do I, why is my soul cast down? It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to question. But at the same time, in the middle of that, we've got to maintain our hope in God. It's okay to question. Just remember to keep hoping in God because that's what it keeps coming back down to. The refrain in this, the, the thing that it keeps coming back to, even in chapter 43, at the end of it, you see, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Have you ever been in that kind of moment where like, I'm not necessarily praising God right now, but I'm going to. <laughs> I will praise him. Callie and I, you know, uh, we have a perfect marriage. We never fight. But just theoretically, if we were to ever fight, uh, I'm just kidding. You know, there are times when we'll have a disagreement. We'll get into it a little bit and we'll kind of have to come to a point where, hey, listen, we're not ready to get over this yet, but we will get over it. <laughs> you know, have you ever reached that point with your spouse where it's like, we're going to be fine. We just need to take a break here. We're, we're in a moment. We're in a feeling right now. It is going to be okay. And you can affirm that. Like, we do love each other. We do care about each other. It's going to be okay. But we just don't need to be talking about this right now. We've got to give it some time. That's kind of what I see in the psalm right here. Like, I'm so much in turmoil. I'm, why is my soul like this? I will hope in God. I will praise him, my salvation and my God. It's like, even if, it, even if you don't have the feeling right now, like, oh, yes, praise, worship, I will praise him. I'm going to come back to that. I am going to find my hope in Jesus. But my soul is still feeling cast down right now. I'm still feeling in turmoil. And it's okay to have those questions as long as we continue to maintain our hope in God. Like I said, we'll talk about that more next week. I think there's a lot to learn from that. So it's okay. You're allowed to ask questions. And you know what? You're allowed to feel lonely. 
This is something that comes back to us expanding our capacity as a community to grieve. Because in a moment of grief, whenever you've gone through something or you're going through something and you feel things are not right, this is not right, it's okay and it's normal to feel lonely in that. Just don't isolate yourself. And again, that's up to the community to reach in, to ask, to listen, to pray, to be there with one another. But don't self-isolate even whenever you feel lonely because there's a difference between loneliness and isolation. Loneliness is a feeling that we have. Like, I feel like nobody gets this. I feel alone. I feel like I'm on my own. Isolation is actually taking an action to keep yourself away from other people, to keep yourself away either emotionally, physically, whatever. You can isolate yourself. But loneliness is a feeling that is normal, that accompanies grief, that we can still submit to the Lord but we don't need to let that lead us to isolate ourselves. You know, in, uh, in verse 4 here, it, as, this, as the psalmist is so deep in grief, so much in this soul, you're in turmoil within me, he says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go up with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I remember that time way back then whenever I was with all the people of God and we would go worship together. And it's almost like they're remembering this in sadness, how it used to be so easy. It used, I used to feel connected to the people at my church. I used to feel like I could just go and worship at the church and feel like I belong and feel like I fit in and, and everything's good. But right now, I feel so alone. I feel so on my own. It's okay to feel lonely but don't let that lead us to isolate ourselves. Again, that's a burden on the individual, and that's a burden on the community to be there with one another in that. We still good here. We're getting real, okay? Number three is you're, you're allowed to feel momentarily unstable. You're allowed to feel unstable. Just remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Because we are unstable. That's one thing that our emotions can point us to, to that reality that we go up, we go down, we have highs, we have lows, and we're going to feel these kinds of things. We're going to feel unstable, and it's okay to feel that instability as long as we remember the steadfast love of the Lord. If you remember back to the very first message that I shared on soul maps, talking about in a map you have something that orients yourself to the map. You have this compass. True north on that compass is the steadfast love of the Lord. We could be the highest high of joy. We could be the lowest low of despair. We could feel abandoned. We could feel angry. But true north on this map is that God's steadfast love endures forever. Never stops, never fails. It's always going to be pointing in that same exact direction. That is our true north. It's okay to feel unstable within ourselves as long as we remember the steadfast love of the Lord that remains from everlasting to everlasting. Always true. Always that true north. And you see, you see this instability even in the psalm. He goes from talking about, why are you in turmoil, oh my soul? I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to praise Him. God, I remember your steadfast love. You are my rock. Why have you forgotten me? <laughs> right? Like, you kind of read this psalm and it's like up and down and up and down. And if you've ever been in true grief, if you have ever really felt that, have you ever felt that kind of instability? I've been there. I've felt that. And it's okay to feel that. But in that moment, let that feeling remind you that there is a true north and it's not you. 
Let that feeling remind you that there is something that is true, that's sure, that's fixed, that's always going to be there. And it wasn't the marriage that you just lost. It wasn't the child that you just lost. It's not your health that is abandoning you. The true north is the steadfast love of the Lord. No matter what's going on around us, it's always going to be there and it's always going to be true. I'm going to preach a little bit if I'm not careful. Let that, let that emotion be a reminder that God's steadfast love is the only thing that we can actually rest our feet on, the only thing that we can truly trust. And as you're asking your questions, like, like I said, it's okay to ask questions. Be okay with God answering those questions. Because like I said, sometimes there's not going to be an answer. Sometimes it's just about the Lord being there with us in it. But sometimes he's going to answer the question. He's going to reveal to us why, what's going on. Sometimes his answer is going to be some perspective taking. You know, there's a guy in, in the Bible named Job. You might have read it as Job. But Job went through a lot of issues, went through a lot of problems, and he put some questions to the Lord. He was asking the Lord about, it doesn't look like you're very just right now. It doesn't look like, I, I don't see why this is happening, what's going on. And part of the Lord's answer to Job was, where were you whenever I set the heavens in place? Where were you, Job, whenever I created the earth? A little bit of perspective taking of, yeah, this is a big problem. I, I don't see where God is, but I'm still me. <laughs> I'm still, remember, we also talked about in that first session, talking about soul maps, that the, uh, the you are here sticker is the fear of the Lord. If you're orienting yourself to the map of where's my place in this right now, the fear of the Lord, knowing that God is true, every man a liar, even my emotions, even my perspective is, is not on par with who God is and where he is. So, I know it's not necessarily simple. These aren't like uh, three easy steps to grieving, <laughs> you know. I don't think anybody's going to write a book on that. Five simple ways to grieve and it be really easy and fun. You're not going to get that. These are difficult things. These are hard things. But we need to know as we're grieving that there is, there is opportunity for us to put questions before the Lord. There is room for us to feel loneliness, to feel like we're, we're alone in it. There is room for us to know that we are unstable. But let these feelings, let these, all these things point us back to the only true north that we have the steadfast love of the Lord that we see in Jesus Christ. Let, us, let all of that point us to an ultimate hope that can only be found in Jesus of all these things that are not right right now being made right in the end in Jesus Christ. Let us, let us point us to that hope. Let it point us to the community of believers whenever we know that we're feeling lonely. You know, uh, this is a rabbit trail, but there are loneliness researchers out there. <clears throat> I'm thankful that I'm not one because that sounds like it would be really sad to study. But who talk about how loneliness, it's, it's this like innate, just like thirst, just like hunger. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling within us. It's an it's a indicator of something that we need. Whenever you're thirsty, you go get a drink of water, right? Whenever you're hungry, you go get a bite of food. Well, whenever you're lonely, that is an innate indicator of something that you biologically need. You're physiologically wired by the God of the universe who is a triune being who in himself is relationship. It's an a indicator to say that you need community. 
that you need closeness with people. So when you feel that loneliness, that means I need to go eat. What if you got hungry and you said, oh man, I'm hungry. I feel so terrible about this. I'm not going to eat anything. That's what we do with loneliness. I feel so lonely. I feel so by myself. Nobody wants to hear about this. I'm going to skirt away from closeness. I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to seclude. It's one of the only indicators that whenever we feel it, we reinforce it. Let loneliness be an indicator to push us to the community of believers. Even if they're not going to get it, even if they're not going to feel it completely like I do, they can still be there with me in it. So like I said, it's not, this isn't easy stuff. It's not a simple process, but I believe that we can expand our capacity to grieve as a community and as individuals. And so this is what I want to do. I, I just want to, to pray over some people this morning. And if you would, just if you would bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm just going to go ahead and I'll give you a fair warning. I, I want everybody's head bowed and eyes closed right now so that I can create an opportunity for you to respond to, to this message. But like I said, I'm, I'm also encouraging us to grieve together. And so if I were to have you just raise your hand and respond to this and it just be me and you that saw it and I pray over you and then we go about our day, then that would be a little bit cheap compared to what I just preached. So I'm going to allow for this moment for you to respond, to raise your hand if you need prayer for this, but I'm going to encourage you to not leave it at that. I'm going to encourage you to push past whatever feeling of loneliness might be going on and to receive some prayer, to receive some closeness and community with not just me, but the people in this church. So I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm giving you some warning, okay? That if you raise your hand that I'm going to pray for you, but I'm also going to encourage you that you need to find somebody other than me this morning that you can talk to about what's going on. You can share this with and carry this burden with. And so, but that's what I want to pray with you about. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I'm grieving right now. I'm feeling this feeling that you've said, that you've talked about, Pastor Micah, that things just aren't right right now. There's something going on in my life and things are not right. This is not right. This is not fair. And I'm feeling it and I'm hurt by it. If that's you, would you just be so, so, so bold and raise your hand so that I can pray for you? I want to be able to pray with you. Amen, I see that. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you so much for your boldness. Is there anybody else? Amen, I see that. Thank you so much for your boldness. Is there anybody else who, who would like to receive some prayer, who just wants it to be seen a little bit? Okay. Well, I'm going to pray over these, these two individuals. And, and as I'm praying, remember that we, I want us to grow as a community to grieve together. And so what I want to encourage you to, and who, who you raise your hand, you know who you are, I want to encourage you, please, please don't leave here today without at least sharing some of that burden with somebody. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to divulge all of it all at once, but, but don't leave here without being seen a little bit more. Don't leave here without letting somebody listen and ask and pray and point you to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are the hope of all mankind. 
Thank you, Lord, that you see the situations that are going on. God, you know what these raised hands mean. And Lord Jesus, even though we don't understand in the moment, even though we don't have the perfect answer for it, God, you, you grieve, you hurt with those who hurt. Lord Jesus, you wept, you felt pain, and I know that you're feeling pain right now with your children who are going through pain. And so God, I pray that your hope would invade that situation. Even if the pain is still there, Lord Jesus, I thank you for planting seeds of your hope in the name of Jesus. I thank you that these people will praise you. They're going to praise you in powerful and beautiful ways because your salvation is coming. You are a God of justice. You are a God who restores, who brings peace. And I thank you that you're bringing those to these situations. But God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it in the moment, I thank you for planting seeds of your hope in these lives. Lord, help us as a church to ask. Help us to listen. Help us to be there for one another, to carry these burdens together. Give us the grace to do that. I pray that nobody in this room would feel alone in the grief and the burden that they carry. Help us, give us the grace to do that with and for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I want to, uh, in closing, uh, just talk a little bit more when we're talking about grieving together, uh, bearing one another's burdens, carrying one another's grief, doing grief as at a communal level, I want to encourage us in, in what's been going on in our world. You know, we've, uh, we've seen, or many have seen the video of what happened with George Floyd, or maybe, maybe you haven't seen it, maybe you've you don't want to think about that, but you know that there have been many others even before him who have experienced similar things and it's an injustice. I want to talk about that a little bit because there's a lot of different perspectives going on right now. I know that a lot of what that's led to, there have been peaceful protests, there have been riots, there have been looting, there's been fires, there have been fear. And I know that there's just so many things going on in our culture right now all across the board. And I want us as a church to be able to expand our capacity to grieve with the people who are grieving right now. And that goes across the board. That goes to people who are losing livelihood in riots. That goes to grieving with police officers who maybe are feeling a, a bit less safe in the, the climate of the world right now. It also goes to African Americans in our society and even other people who are racial minorities who feel like justice has not been given throughout our country's history and even up to the present day. Expanding our capacity to grieve with those who grieve. And I know what some may be thinking, Pastor Michael, why do we got to talk about that? Why do we got to focus on that? You know, prejudice goes both ways. It's a two-way street. And that is true. That is very true, and I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that as we're in church this morning here at Victory Life Church, Boswell, Oklahoma, not everybody, but the majority of this congregation is white. Okay? I'm just going to say that. I think you can look around the room and see that I'm not lying to you. And, and I don't want to overlook, I know, I know identity goes in a whole bunch of different ways. There's Native American represented there. I know there's a lot, but what we see, we see a lot in this congregation who would call themselves white. 
And so in that vein, Jesus gives us a really valuable piece of wisdom. He says to examine the plank that's in your own eye before you start trying to take a speck out of somebody else's eye. And so whenever I talk about how we, and whenever I say we, just know that I'm, I'm recognizing it's not all of us right now, but for the majority that we as white people need to be thinking through in how we mourn with those who mourn in our communities, how we mourn with those who mourn, people who are part of the body of Christ that don't look like us. Whenever I'm talking about those things, it's not because I don't see that there's two sides, that it's a two-way street. It's because I'm going to preach to the people who are here. Okay, You're not going to hear me come up and talk next week about why Islam is bad. Okay, That starts to be a problem in our congregation and people are starting to lean towards Islamic beliefs. I'll address that. Talk about that, okay? I'm not going to preach against Buddhism next week because what we're dealing with here in this congregation is people who call themselves Christian for the most part and would like to learn more about how to serve Christ. So that's what I'm going to speak to. And in keeping with that, if we've got mostly white people in this congregation, that's what I'm going to speak to a little bit more. That's what I'm going to talk about is what our part to play is in this. Not necessarily all of the different aspects and angles of seeing this that are very true, that are very real, but just aren't necessarily exactly what we need to talk about right now. And so as, as I want us to expand our capacity as a church to be able to grieve with those who grieve, grieve with those who don't look like us, who have different experiences than us, I want us to be able to apply these same principles of grief. Ask. Listen. Pray. Repeat. A lot of the conversation around this is happening on social media, and there's a lot of burden for people to just express their opinions, say how they feel about it, say what their thoughts are. I want to encourage us as a church to be willing to listen to people, to ask people, what is your perspective like on this? How are you feeling about this? What is your feeling whenever you see this happening uh, in the news? What are your feelings whenever we talk about this at church and listen? Don't say, yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, okay, I see that, but, you know, this. Let's be ready to listen ready to listen and ready to pray, ready to point one another to Jesus in whom, you know, in Christ, when we get to heaven, we're, it's going to be a very multi-ethnic party worshiping Jesus. And so like, let's go ahead and get that party started right now. Let's go ahead and get it going. And I, I believe that that starts with asking, with listening, with praying, and continuing that. Like I said, talks about race are difficult to have just like with sex, just like with grief, just like with anything that is difficult to talk about. It's difficult to talk about, but when we don't talk about it, God's light doesn't shine on it. And that's what we want. That's what we want here in Boswell, Oklahoma. We want God's light to shine on whatever racial tension there is or isn't for God to shine some light on our hearts. So let's be willing to ask, be willing to listen, be willing to pray, and be willing to keep doing that over and over and over again. You know, uh, as I was praying about this and how to talk about it, how to, to get it out there, grieving, grieving with those who grieve, you don't have to, to be able to make your rebuttal in the moment. How many of y'all would go to, let's say a friend, their parent passed away. Let's say you got a friend who their, their parent passed away and you go to their funeral. Who would stop the funeral and say, hey, wait, 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 my dad died like five years ago, so why aren't we talking about that? Am I right? Yet in these kinds of discussions, Rather than be there, be in the grief, ask, listen, pray, 
we feel a need to, hey, there's, this is going on too. Hey, this is an injustice over here too. While it may be true, your own grief, your own injustice that you've experienced in life isn't an excuse to minimize someone else's. It's a tool to be able to empathize with someone else's. If you go to someone's funeral, their parent passed away, your dad passed away too, you can put your arm around them and say, listen, I don't know exactly what you're feeling right now. I don't know exactly how you're experiencing this, but I know this hurts. I've felt this before too. You can use that as a tool to empathize, but you should never use that as a tool to minimize the grief that they're going through. And so it's the same with grieving with those who grieve, uh, who just experience our culture in a different way. And so we need to be willing to ask, listen, pray, repeat. That's my encouragement to our congregation. And uh, in keeping with that, you know, you might say, well, I, don't, I don't have any black friends. I don't, you know, I don't know who I would go to talk to about this. Who would I listen to? Uh, one thing that we could do as a church, I don't know if we'll keep doing this, but at least for today, I told the Wednesday crowd about this on Wednesday, but um, I, wa- I want to create an opportunity. There's a pastor here in Oklahoma pastors a church in Tulsa. His name's Mike Todd. And he preached a message, I think it was last week, that really told his perspective. Uh, he's an African-American pastor and told his perspective, what he's seen and gone through, how he views racial reconciliation. And so even if we, you maybe don't have somebody that you could go talk to today, what I want to encourage you, if you would go eat some lunch, get you, get you a bite to eat, whatever. If you're interested in continuing this conversation, if you're interested in talking a little bit more about this, I would encourage you to go get you a bite to eat. Come back here at 1 o'clock, and I want to play the message that, that he shared. It's an opportunity, even if he's not here in person, we can ask, okay, what's his perspective? We can listen to what he has to say. We can pray together as he guides us to pray Uh, And we can hopefully repeat that and continue to have those similar kinds of conversations as we expand our capacity to grieve and mourn with those who mourn. So if you're interested at all in that, it's obviously not a no judgment if you don't come. But if you want to continue that conversation a little bit, hear what he has to say, then one o'clock. Come back here. I I told people we do it at our house, but I'm hoping that there's more people than we have couch space for. So. Uh, if you would just go get you something to eat and then come right back here and we'll, we'll kind of dig into that a little bit together. So uh, that's my encouragement to you all. Uh, we, as a body of believers, need to expand our capacity to grieve and mourn with one another and expand our capacity even as individuals to experience our grief and again, submit it to Jesus Christ, who is the God of our emotions, who is the God of race, who is the God of justice, who is the God of peace. Let's submit those things to him, and I I believe he's going to lead us and guide us. Amen? Okay, well, if you would stand, I want to pray a blessing over you as we are dismissed here. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord to worship together, and I pray that as this week goes on, as we move from here, that the Holy Spirit would lead each and every one of us, that he would lead you, your family, guide you into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed.